Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'd like to start off by giving a big shout out to our friends at SeedsHereNow.com. SeedsHereNow.com offers seeds from all of the industry's leading breeders, including Swamp Boys Genetics, TH Seeds, and of course, Irie Genetics. Everything at SeedsHereNow.com is backed by their award-winning satisfaction guarantee. And for my friends on a tight budget, SeedsHereNow.com offers several packs for under $30, as well as impressive monthly sales. Make sure to use coupon code GFYH10 while checking out to save a few bucks. Again, that is coupon code GFYH10 while checking out at SeedsHereNow.com. Welcome to the show, podcast world. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff, and this is episode 691 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to read a couple of Patreon questions. Before we get to that part of the show, let's do a few shout outs to a few of those great folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my friend, The Painted Lady. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to Grant M and 716 Vibes. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Prospect and Steve F. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Terp Goonie Farms. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Jay Dutch and Chief Leaf 420. I want to send a big thank you to Oric. Let's send a thank you shout out to Doc Grows. Then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my friend All Mixed Up. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need is right there on the screen and you know I do include that link in the show notes and the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends. This is the part of the podcast where I do want to say that I did receive the message. I've been doing shorter episodes. I asked for feedback on that. Most of the people listening have said they want longer episodes, so I will do my best to answer that request, fulfill that demand. Longer episodes are coming your way. This episode should be long, should be a good show. Thank you for the feedback. I do appreciate the feedback, uh, the comments, the questions, corrections, comments, concerns, emails, all of that stuff. It does mean a lot to me, so thank you. The message has been received. I will do longer episodes. We'll start by doing that in this episode. Also, let me remind you about the Black Friday sale coming up. If you are looking for Irie t-shirts, trays, grinders, stickers, maybe something like that for a gift, the Black Friday sale will begin on November 25th, and that does go through the 30th. Hit the website, uh, iriegenetics.com. There is a Irie merch tab on there. That tab will take you directly to the store when you get there. Use coupon code GFYH25 at checkout. That will save you 25% off everything in the store. And thank you for all of the support. All right, don't miss that Black Friday sale. Also, seedsherenow.com. 
We'll get a restock very soon. That's what I've been hearing. All right, we covered all the chatter at the start of the show. Some people say that I talk too long at the start of the show. We've got some business to cover. We do have sponsors and things like that that do help us out. I got to give shout outs to my friends from Patreon. So thank you for being patient, getting through the first 30 seconds of the show here. Let's jump into some of the main topics. I do have a couple of great emails here in front of me. Big shout out, big thanks to all the people that message me on Patreon. Thank you for the love. This one comes from my friend Mark, and it says, I've got a question for you. After revegging a flowering clone and transplanting soon thereafter, what week of the vegetation phase are we now in? That's a really good question. Uh, let's think about that. You've got a plant that went into flower, then you revegged it. It is now revegging. You could cut a clone from that revegging plant. You've got that clone going, it is now a fresh plant. The real question that you are asking is, what week of the vegetation phase are we now in? Honestly, technically, uh, I don't really count veg weeks that critically. Um, you can decide uh, when you took it out of the cloner and put it into a container, you can say that that is officially day one of veg. If you need a real, uh, a real solid day of marking day one of veg, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the time for veg is kind of arbitrary. That Why are you counting? When it's big enough, put it into flower. Uh, it's great to have a schedule. It's great to have a timeline, but uh, the reason we keep a good track of what day it is in flower is because we want to know how many days we typically flower this plant, then we will cut it down on that schedule. For veg, it's not hypercritical to know what day, what week we are in. But if you really need a day, like I said, uh, so you're going to cut the clone, you're going to have a, a revegging plant, then you're going to cut a good shoot off of that revegging plant that'll go into a clone dome. I think when it comes out of the clone dome, into that cup or that first pot, that is what I would call small veg. That is the beginning of that plant. That is now the start of what I would say is veg. And then when it goes into a bigger pot, that obviously would be what I, maybe not obviously, uh, that is what I would obviously to myself call large veg. I do a small veg and a large veg, uh, and then they go into flower from there. So uh, like I said before, it's not hypercritical to really have a week, a timeline like that of veg. As long as you know uh, that when it gets this big, I should flower it. That's kind of more uh, what I would pay attention to that, that day of when to start the vegetation phase. If you really need that, you can invent a day that suits your needs. I would go, go from uh, when it goes into the, the first initial cup or pot, when it hits soil, I guess, or cocoa or hydro, however you're doing it, when it goes into your main system. But um, there's really no uh, hard and fast rule on that because uh, you can just veg as long as you want. Like I said a moment ago, I'm repeating myself at this time, uh, but the reason we keep good notes and flower of what day and what week we are in is because we know that at the end of week nine or at the end of week 10, we can harvest these plants. So that's a little more critical. I do appreciate the enthusiasm. That's a really good question. I also appreciate the continued Patreon support. Uh, I really do thank you for that. Uh, big shout out to my buddy, Mark. You know how, who you are. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. Look forward to hearing from you in the future because we do correspond a lot. And I'm glad the uh, Irie Genetics, Rasta Jeff, and Grow From Your Heart podcast coffee mugs landed safely. Big up, my friend. All right. We are going to keep moving because I feel like I've got a good flow. I am nicely stoned. We got a good flow going. No need to slow down. Let's keep going. This one came from our friend B Bala. Shout out to B Bala. I've also been corresponding with B Bala quite frequently. Uh, it's been fun interacting with the community more now that the outdoor grow is settled and some things have caught up. Uh, things do get a little bit slower around here during the winter time, so I will be online more. You'll be getting more correspondence and interaction. I look forward to it. Here goes the rambling shit. Let's keep me focused. It says, hey, bro, so I have purchased a bunch of your regular seeds, almost everything that is available in Canada, 
Big thanks for that and much appreciated. A lot of people have been asking if they can get Irie seeds in Canada. That is very easy. Visit the website. If you click on the seed vendor tab, there is a Canadian flag. That Canadian flag, that's the magic ticket right there. Click on that one. That will get you a Canadian vendor. Shout out to my buddy, the dude. That is the dude's world. That will get you going in Canada. Big up to my Canadian friends. It also goes on to say, I know you were saying something about running them in small pots and flipping them quickly to find a keeper. I was just wondering if you could talk a little more into detail about that because that is something I would like to do with all of the regular seeds I just got. Thanks for everything, bro. I learned so much every time. Uh, thank you, bro. Thank you for all of the Patreon support. You've been throwing down pretty good on Patreon. You've been buying a lot of beans. I think I actually sent you like a hoodie or something because I remember seeing your name. So big thank you for all that support. Uh, let's talk about that. When I am running a new crop, let's just say, so recently, you guys know, maybe you don't know, we'll talk about it. Um, if you've been following along with the show, you know that I just did an outdoor breeding run. We made some seeds in a greenhouse. Some of the seeds I made in that breeding run have never been made before, so I need to test them. I need to see what I've produced. It's unlikely that I've produced a bunch of garbage, but it is very possible. I may have made uh, mutants. I may have made intersex plants. I may have made a bunch of hemp. I may have made a bunch of trash. I may have made things that don't fit the program for what I'm looking for, but may be good for somebody else. But still, I need to find out what I've made is the bottom line here. So the quickest and most efficient way to do that would be to grow a bunch of small plants. Why do I want to run these plants uh, in three-gallon pots and put nine of them under a 1,000-watt light and waste a bunch of space and waste a bunch of time vegging them when I can put them into very small pots? I keep saying beer cups. I buy a bag of 50 solo cups from the local store down the street, and I've got 50 pots to put plants in. It takes me a minute to stab holes in them with some scissors because I do need some drainage, but I can get a bunch of pots for a very affordable price. 50 beer cups is very affordable. Uh, then when you're done, uh, if the plant isn't any good, you could just toss that whole thing. You don't feel like you're wasting a pot. It doesn't feel like a lot of waste. It could just come and go. Or you can do small pots, but I don't really need to grow large plants to see what I've got. So I'll get these plants going. I'll put a seed I'll germinate a seed. I'll put that seed into the beer cup or into maybe a one-gallon pot at the biggest, and then I'll get it going in there. I'll veg it until it is um, maybe six inches tall, maybe eight inches tall. kind of just depends on what I'm going for. If it is something that I think I'm going to keep, I will veg it until it is just large enough to get a clone. Once that, that top node, that center branch creates a big enough shoot to get a clone from, I'll cut that clone. As soon as I am confident that that clone is going to root, I will flip my plants. There's no need to get it any bigger. Being the breeder, I've got plenty of seeds. I just want to see what I've created at this point, right? Those seeds came out of the greenhouse run. Nobody knows what we've made. We need to find out what they are, find out if they're, uh, like I said, mutants, intersex plants, uh, pure trash, or maybe they're fucking magic. I've got to find that out. So I just want to grow them as quickly as possible and discover what I've done. So I'll get them going in a small pot, veg them up. Uh, I don't need the clones because I've got a lot more seeds and that's not my goal right now anyway. So I'll just get them growing. And then as soon as they're, uh, sometimes I'll do it four inches, five inches, maybe even just six inches tall, then I'll flip them into flower. When I was working in a commercial environment and I could have basically unlimited plants, I would run, I have these little trays and those trays can fit 24 cups per tray and I could fit two of those trays comfortably under a 600 watt light. So I would do, I would start 50 seeds and then by the time I was done pulling the males or whatever, I'd have one solid tray. I, usually I'd use the two trays and spread them out, but I'd have one solid tray worth of females that I could grow out and see what I've got to work with. And that worked really well under that light. So then I would just grow them, right? And start taking pictures. Don't manipulate them. Don't do anything to them because I simply want to see what these plants are. 
I may grow them under different conditions, different environments. I may top them. I may trellis them. I may scrog them out later in the future in different runs once they make the cut. But right now, I don't know what these plants are. I don't want to waste more than a few weeks, more than a few square feet, more than a few kilowatts, more than a few cups of dirt on plants that I don't know if they could be complete garbage. So I'll put them in the cups, put them in a small pot, veg them out, flip them, then start taking pictures and a lot of, lot of notes. I just label them. I'll have rows, plant A, or sometimes I do weird shit. Like I kind of code it based on what I'm working with. If it was a rise, uh, I would say a rise F3 number, and then it would just be numbered down the row, one through 12 or one through 25 or whatever. And then I would make a lot of notes, a rise number, a rise F3 number 22 really looks crazy good. Keep an eye on that. Number 36 is going to be a male at a super tall, I could tell, try to keep notes and then react to how they get fed, feed everything exactly the same, treat everything exactly the same, and then see what these plants do. Uh, what am I looking for? Um, I'm looking for uh, number one thing is problems. I don't want to send out problematic seeds to customers. That's a good way to ruin a business, uh, ruin friendships. That's just shitty to do. Uh, I'm all about making quality shit. So I want to make sure that we're not finding any problems is the first thing to look for. Do they germinate well is my first thing. Do they germ well? Once they germ, how do they react once I put them into dirt? Do they sprout up? Do they damp off? Do they have any weird problems? Then we look for mutants. Do they do any weird shit as they grow? Look for growth anomalies, uh, different ploidal features, different leaf shapes, different uh, what's going to happen. Are they are they limpy? Are they wimpy? Are they wispy is the word I'm trying to say. Are they just weak plants in general? Do they grow like fucking crazy? What are they going to show me? I want to find out. Take a lot of notes and a lot of pictures. Start snapping those pictures around week three all the way up until harvest. Get a good catalog of photos of every phenotype that you find. Then if you've got a bunch of good stuff, you know, you, I know I've got good stuff, then I can send it out to you guys. Now you want to do this to kind of find your keepers. I would recommend growing them, um, maybe in a one gallon pot, get them as big as, uh, until you can get a clone off of them. Like I said, cut that clone. As soon as you see that clone take root, then flip your plants that are in the pot. Then that way you've got a clone going for backup and you've got a plant going immediately. You can identify the males about 10, 12 days away. You can identify the males pull the male plants out of there. Unless you're looking for a male, most people are not looking for a boy plant. Pull the dudes out of there. Also go to your clone dome or your cloning machine, get all the dudes out of there as well, because you know that plant number 32 and clone number 32, those are both boys. They got to go. Now you're just narrowing it down to the awesome females. Now, once you get done removing all the males and sexing all these plants, probably by day uh, 14, hopefully by day 17, you've gotten all the dudes out of there, maybe even earlier. Now, what we're looking for is stellar females. You've got clones of everybody. So when you start seeing girls that really stand out, maybe there's one with an amazing growth structure. Uh, maybe the one that's got the traits you're looking for. I don't know what you're after, but when you see that, start taking notes and be like, this one's going to finish way earlier. Plant plant 13, the one that I thought would be unlucky that's supposed to be the unlucky plant, that one's going to finish early. Make a note in your notebook over here and hope that clone number 13 is rooted well. Uh, by this time, you have got your clones out of your clone dome, your clone machine, however you do it. You've got them into the small cups and they're now vegging to be your next run. So by the time you finish this first crop over here, these have been up potted and they are ready to go. You've got another run to go. So you get to grow all the females one more time uh, take clones of your favorite two. There will probably be two. There'll be one that you really like as the grower and one that a lot of other people like as the consumer. They don't realize that that one that they love was a pain in the ass to grow. They want a bunch of it and you're going to be like, oh, I don't want to grow that shit again because it sucked. There's going to be one that you really love. Pick the one that you really like. So uh, let me make sure I cover that because I didn't 
have any notes. I kind of just freestyle back because I think I'm good at talking about this. Yeah, run them in small pots, bro. Just run them small. Get a clone as soon as you can. I don't know how good you are at cloning. As soon as you can get a clone off of that plant, snip a clone. As soon as you see roots on that clone and you are confident you've got a survivor, flower those other plants. Keep an eye on them. Pull the boys as soon as you can. Get the big plant and the clone. Get them out of there immediately. Uh, Keep an eye on the females. Keep a lot of good notes. Decide which one you like. Treat all of them exactly the same. How are you going to know which one is good if you treated one differently than the other? The one that you gave the other microbes to is going to come out better. So treat them all the same. Dry them, cure them, harvest them all the same. Um, You might want to, I don't know, this is up to you. Sometimes I cut down all of the plants at the end of week 10. Sometimes I kind of keep an eye on them and I let some go a little bit longer. Is that cheating testing or is that doing what needs to be done to each phenotype to maximize its potential? That is up to you. At the end, either decide do we whack them all at the end of week 9, at the end of week 10, or do you pay attention to the trichomes? That kind of depends on if you're a commercial grower, like in a big facility, they've got to be done by the end of week 10, hopefully week 9. Uh, If not, they're coming down by week 10. So we've got to cut them and see what they do at that point. Uh, If you're a personal grower that can manage, uh, they can go as long as you want. You're in charge of that time frame. Maybe let them go and see what they do if you let them go to week 11. I generally like to let new shit go until uh, day 70, at least 70 days, because you never know. Maybe at the end, that last week, if you cut it down at day 63, sometimes around day 65, 67, plants really go shebang, kaboom, and really beef up. So I like to let them go 70 days that first run. That's up to you. That is up to your uh, preferences, your garden, what you're looking for. If you've already made a determination uh, by day 55 that that is not the plant you want, have no fear to cut it down and get rid of it early if that's what you want to do, or finish it, dry it, cure it, smoke it, and enjoy it as usable product. But it's only going to be... Now, here's something I've got to mention. These first test runs are not meant to be uh, big-time cash crop, pay-the-bills-get-rich runs. These are test runs. These are auditions. These are selector runs. These are pheno hunts is what these are. We are looking for the keeper in the pack that works the best with you. I kind of describe it like this. You know that there is something in that pack of seeds that is desirable. You read the description on the website and you scrolled through a bunch of stuff and you decided on this one thing. This is the pack of seeds that I want. So you ordered that. You know there's going to be something in that pack Most of them are going to be close to what you want. Now you've just got to find the one that is in there that is really good for you. Uh, We've agreed on Italian food, right? Most of us can agree on Italian food or Mexican food, but today we're going to go with Italian food. We've agreed on Italian food. We've gotten to the restaurant. We know we're that far. The seed pack came. You've got the seed pack. Now when you get the phenotypes, that is the menu. Do you want the marinara? Do you want the Alfredo? Do you want the eggplant? Excuse me for the scratchy throat. But We've agreed that we want the Italian food. That's the pack of seeds that you got. Now you got to open up the menu and see which menu item is perfect for you. And those are going to be your phenotypes. Hopefully uh, you get the dessert. Just start with dessert, bro. That's the way to do it. Anyway, I hope you heard my stomach ramble, uh, rumble as I was rambling about food. I was not hungry until I said Italian food. My mouth and stomach just totally growled into this microphone. That was funny. Um, So... Uh, I hope I explained that well, because really run them quick, run them small so that we don't waste a lot of time, space, and energy. Like I said, this is not a cash crop. This is an audition crop. Uh, We're trying to find the keeper out of this pack. Then the next couple of runs, we're going to establish a relationship with the keeper in that seed pack. We want to find the perfect plant for us. I said before, pick two because it's, it's all, they're always two. Most of the time, A lot of the times it's plants number two and four for me. I don't know why it works out that way. Two, four, and nine 
are always the champs. If I number them one through 12, or uh, there's a lot of times 12 seeds in a pack or whatever, I'll do 12, one through one, uh, two, four, and nine are quite often the fucking champions. So you're going to find two or three that you like, run them again, because you've got those clones. Uh, Make sure you keep cutting clones every time you put them into flower. So you're going to cut a clone, put them into flower, cut clones, put them into flower, keep those clones. So you've always got a mother plant. But run them until you find the one that you really, really like. Then that is going to be your production crop, the one that supplies your medicine, pays your bills, whatever your goal is, you've got to find the perfect one. There's work to be done. A lot of people don't realize or don't want to do that early work to find the perfect phenotype. They think they're going to jump in and have a cash crop and have profitable product the first run. That You can do that, but ideally, you would do an audition process, find the first one, especially if you're going to put this keeper outdoors. I would run it indoors uh, through the winter and then have a clone ready in the springtime to put out there so you know what's going to do the best outdoors. Find the one with the good structure to hold up the, from the wind. Find the one that puts out a bunch of good flowers. Find the one that's not intersex or a male so you don't put an intersex or a male plant outdoors and fuck up the whole neighborhood. But this is an audition process and it can happen very quickly. We don't want to waste uh, lights, electricity, time, space, energy, soil, real estate, numbers. A lot of us are limited uh, on plant count numbers. You've noticed that my breeding projects have slowed down because I am very limited on plant count numbers here in the state of Colorado. Uh, back in the day for a little while, they let us just fucking put plants wherever you could cram them into the house. You could go to the doctor and say, uh, my back hurts. I need 50 plants for my back hurting. Then you just say, my arm hurts. And they'd write you another 30 plants for that. They'd write you all kinds of recommendations. And then allegedly you have 125 plant count, which I would never go over 100 because that's when you get in huge trouble. But back in the day, we'd have 99 plants in some rooms at some houses. And now I'm limited to 12, which most of the time ends up as 11 because I've got a male plant that after he does his work around day 25, he gets cut down. So I'm kind of wasting a fucking plant count with that male plant. I've got an empty space half the time just because of that. Anyway, my ramble, the point is that numbers are big. So you can cut down plants that you don't need early and save on numbers. Because here in Colorado, uh, I get my six medical cannabis plants because I have a medical cannabis card. And then I get my six adult use plants. You're limited to 12 per household, per resident, per person, basically. So that's what I'm allowed to do. That's that's why my breeding is slowed down. You guys used to see me put out a lot more shit until they changed the rules on us. And then COVID really slowed me down because I'm not doing the uh, commercial contracting and consulting, which I was doing. A lot of times I would trade uh, commercial consulting for space in your grow. I'd be like, well, I need to test run a thousand seeds in here and then I'll come consult for your grow while that's happening. And that would be a good trade. But not doing that now because COVID kind of put everybody on a skeleton crew. I am rambling. I'm going to skim this message and make sure I got it. Um, grow them small because we don't want to waste space. Get a clone, flip them, uh, see if you like it before you grow it big. Then this will reloot me around to a podcast episode I did about outdoor plants. Then you won't be that person putting gigantic plants outdoors that you find out late in the season that you've been vegging this nine foot tall fucking plant and it's a boy. This is a good way to prevent that sort of stuff. Grow them small, turn them, burn them, get them out of there. Don't expect that first crop to be a cash crop. Uh, you will pay yourself back. You'll pay for your electricity. You'll pay for all your bills. You'll pay for the seeds over time. This is not going to be the last crop you'll ever grow. This is the first crop you're going to grow from these seeds. You're going to build a relationship. Then you're going to grow this plant like a fucking champion. Find a keeper. Then once you found the keeper, pop another pack of seeds until you've got a room full of keepers that max out your mother plant space. 
All right, I do have one more question here in front of me. This one came from our friend Used to Be Cool. We hear from Used to Be Cool quite frequently on this podcast. Big up to my buddy Used to Be Cool. Bro, you're messaging us and you're listening to the show. You must still be cool in my opinion. All right, let's get right to the point because I'm rambly. It says, uh, my, my recent bout with spider mites during flower and inability to completely get rid of the devils made me think of this as a possible remedy. I thought your vast experience you may have heard someone trying this and you might know whether it would work or just be destructive to the plants. He is getting to a point. I'm the one rambling and stumbling through this. Not our friend used to be cool. I didn't read this very well. It says, can spider mites be removed with a shop vac or other vacuum? I thought about trying it, but I was afraid it might remove the mites along with all of the foliage. Also, I had one arise plant, which was least affected of all of the plants. Thanks for any insight you can provide from your friend used to be cool. Uh, my favorite part about that is that the arise plant didn't get attacked by the spider mites. Something in there told those mites, I don't want to go there. Arise stood in the corner, not getting eaten up. Everybody else was getting a feast. Big up to arise. All right, let's talk about this. A shop vac for spider mites um, or any other type of vacuum. Yes, you can use a shop vac for spider mites, but think about um, when you get the shop vac running, there's that exhaust coming out of the other side, right? If you don't have proper filtration, are you just shooting those spider mites down the hall? Uh, we would use a shop vac in a commercial grow to just clean up the floor and shit. And then I could see that exhaust shooting the leaves. And I thought, well, anything that's coming out of that vacuum is just going down the hall to all of the other grow rooms right now. You can see the leaves just rustling from that, that, uh, that exhaust. So are you shooting spider mites just all over the place now from one section to the other? Uh, that would be my first thought. If you've got proper filtration, which it's got to be a small, tiny filter, a very tiny micron filter to catch a spider mite. Um, I don't, you can definitely use it positivity. You can use it to suck off webs. Um, you can use it to remove the webs. I should have said it that way. You can use the shop vac to remove the spider webs. If your spider mites have gotten out of control and you've got little, uh, little tents happening, you can get up there and just put the shop vac or a regular vacuum right on there. Suck those webs right off. That will work. Uh, then use a rubber glove and a paper towel and just wipe the rest of that shit off of there. You're going to do some damage to the trichomes, but it's better than having a bunch of spider mites on there. The question about removing foliage, that just depends on uh, how hard you've got the flow be turned up, bro. Um, if that thing's really sucking and you've got a powerful vacuum with a smaller hole, it may suck off some of the foliage. It may do some leaf damage, but uh, that foliage is where the spider mites are hanging out and living anyway. So you may be doing, uh, you may be killing two birds with one stone and doing two jobs at one time. You're defoliating and getting rid of the mites. This is something that I have done with white flies. I had white flies in a grow tent. Uh, the grow was at a point where I couldn't treat it with any sprayed pesticides or anything like that. So I got my normal house vacuum and I put the long wand attachment on the hose and I had the shop vac on and I had a long stick and I would just smack the shot of the plants with the, uh, the vacuum attachment and then use a stick to keep annoying the blood, the bugs. And as they flew out, I just fucking shot vac them off the light. Cause they all went straight to the light, just shot vac them right off of there. And then as they would land, I just rattle the plants again and just go shot vac them or vac them up. So this will be effective, but keep in mind that they have to go somewhere. If they're not getting caught in like a sort of a canister or a vacuum bag or something, are they getting shot out of the back of the vacuum? I don't know what kind of vac you're using. That is just something I would really think about. It does blow exhaust out of a lot of vacuums, like a, a lot of shop vacs have an exhaust on the other end. Where is it going to go? But it could be effective. The other part about ruining your plants, 
Um, if you got mites that bad, get in there and see what it does, bro. The vacuum's not going to be much worse than what those mites are doing. Um, I think that answers this question. Um, if you do this, get rid of the uh, contents of that vacuum. If it's a, a bag, a canister, uh, maybe take the whole shop vac out to the woods and light that thing on fire. Keep in mind that thing's filled with fucking problems. Uh, get rid of it. If you can burn it, like seriously, if you've got a fire pit, burn that fucking thing because uh, those bugs are going to scatter wherever they go. That place now has a spider mite infestation like level 12 because they're just in a little bag. You just put them in there. They're, they're breeding in there. They're partying in there. There are boys and girls in there. And now there are babies in there. And those babies are having babies. Spider mites reproduce quite quickly. So uh, whatever you do, get rid of that canister. Do keep in mind that that vacuum is now filled with problems. So whatever happens to that vacuum, the canister, the vacuum bag, uh, make sure you very you are very responsible and proactive with what you do with that. So we don't spread those problems to our friends. You don't want to get rid of them in your grow and then just take them across town to a, another place and cause a problem there or across the yard, across the lawn, across the whatever. I don't spread those spider mites. They may just come back. If you just put them in the trash can outside, they'll find their way back to the grow eventually. Maybe, maybe not today, but they're going to go to the bushes outside, then to your shoes, then right back into your grow. So let's get rid of them as far as we can. I jokingly said burn it with fire, but if that's an option, burn it with fire. All right. I want to thank you, my friend. Uh, used to be cool for a great message. Um, yes, be creative. Use that shop vac if that is what you've got to do, uh, but make sure you get rid of all those mites and mite carcasses. This also works great for aphids, white flies, uh, fungus gnats. You could do this with if you've got an abundance of bugs and bug mites, uh, bug webs, this would work. However, I really hope you got to it before it got to that. The important part is that you learn why it got that bad and learn to never let it get that bad again. Uh, you get one, one pass at getting it that destructively bad. But next time we're going to make fun of you. Next time you got to think about what you're doing. Don't let it happen again. That's a scolding from Rasta Jeff, a polite, gentle scolding. You get one pass next time you're doing push-ups in the Irie army. You got to do a big dab and then try to do 10 push-ups. I'm not sure if that's punishment or pleasure to some people. All right, I'm getting rambly, so it is time to wrap up this episode. Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, pimps, hoes, friends, foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, Paul and Chuckers, all of you beautiful cannabis enthusiasts out there, thank you once again for listening to another longer episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. You asked for a long one. I think you got it. Thank you. Thanks again for the feedback. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, you know that I would love to hear from you. The email address, of course, is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Send me that feedback. Also, now is a good time to like the video and subscribe to the channel. I'm trying to get us up to 10,000 subscribers by the end of the year. I think we're very close to on pace to hit that goal. If you are not already subscribed to the channel, please do. If you are listening on an audio service, please go to YouTube, search for the Grow From Your Heart podcast, click subscribe on the videos, check out the uh, video work that I've been doing. If you haven't seen it, I think you will appreciate it. Uh, check out the cool colors, the cool camera changes. I think you will appreciate that. 10,000 subscribers by the end of the year. That is the goal. Thank you. Uh, let's get there. Uh, for anything else, check out the website, iriegenetics.com. There's a link to the Discord server. There's a link to the Patreon. There's a link to the Irie merch. Don't forget about the Black Friday sale. That coupon code will be GFYH25. That will begin on November 25th and go through the end of the month. That is really all I've got for you. I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to my friend Danny Potts. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me. <laughs>